NAD Ministerial presents Adventist Ministry, a best practices podcast with Dave Gimmel. I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read. Welcome to E Huddle. <laughs> and this morning we're having a baby dedication. You know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Spirit of Spirit. We're about to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos días, amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. Welcome to the Best Practices for Adventist Ministry Podcast. I'm Dave Gemmel. While much of pastoral ministry may seem ordinary, there is a mystical element that permeates every aspect. It all begins with the origin story of a pastor, which we refer to as the call to ministry. In 2015, we featured the origin stories of a dozen pastors at the Called Pastors Convention in Austin. And we're going to share three of those stories today. But the thing is, That mystical quality, the call to ministry, never stops with the origin story. So today, we won't stop with the origin stories. We're going to get updates from those same pastors as we trace the mystical call to ministry. In Act 1, Richie Halverson stood at the crossroads between life and death one more time. I got caught up in substance abuse and lived a, a very kind of selfish lifestyle and through uh, not long I ended up in the bitter ends of jails, institutions. Uh, that last time I was in the treatment center I came to a crossroads that I had been to many times before. Do I keep going out and trying to chase after that high that I knew did not exist anymore? In the most audible voice, I've heard God speak to me. God said, Richie, if you go out that door, you'll die. But if you give your heart to me right now, you let me step in, I'll, I'll change your life and I want to use you uh, to help others who are hurting. And so uh, that day I made the decision to give my heart to God. In Act 2, Harold Altamirano's life took a turn after a conversation with a stranger. So I was recently baptized after struggling with alcohol abuse for about 10 years. Uh, Been married for five years, and I was struggling in my marriage. Ended up in jail, and during that process, God called me into the church. One day, you know, after, you know, being in church probably, what, about a year, uh, this one lady waited for me outside. And it was really weird. Uh, and I remember uh, going out of, you know, just saying goodbye to the pastor and whatnot. And this lady out of nowhere just came at me. She grabbed me and she helped me. And she, she told me, you are running from God like Moses. Uh, and she told me specifically, you need to be a pastor. And finally, in Act 3, you'll meet David Franklin, who contemplated his call to ministry in a very unusual place. I came back to Oakwood. I was sitting on a friend's couch and I literally felt like the spirit of the Lord had left me. It was gone. I never felt that before and praise God, I've never felt that since. 
but I literally felt like God's spirit had departed from me. And so I said in that moment, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Well, anybody who's prayed that prayer knows that that's a dangerous prayer to pray. And it was from that point that God led me into pastoral ministry. Our website, nadministerial.com, has links and resources if you want to go deeper. Just click on the podcast tab. Now, let's get started. Act 1. Richie Halverson. At the 2015 Called Convention, Richie came to a crossroads between life and death. Listen to his story. Ever since I was a kid uh, and watching, growing up in a pastor's home and watching my father uh, preach and do evangelism, I knew uh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, throughout my life, I've felt that calling uh, through the high times and the low times. Um, you know, I, the enemy attacked uh, me as he does all of us uh, and my family uh, quite a bit, especially coming into high school. I began hanging around with the wrong crowd and, and doing things, got into the party scene and um, right after high school, graduated from high school barely and uh, got married and three months later uh, had my first uh, child, my son, who I praise the Lord for, but I was 19 and uh, was, was having a child. I was a child having a child. Um, and you know, for the next six years, uh, I got caught up in substance abuse and uh, made a lot of poor decisions and lived a, a very kind of selfish lifestyle. And through uh, not long, I ended up in the bitter ends of jails, institutions. Uh, that last time I was in the treatment center, I came to a crossroads that I had been to many times before. Do I keep going out and trying to chase after that high that I knew did not exist anymore? Or do I uh, make a decision to give my heart to God and, and follow Him? In the most audible voice, I've heard God speak to me. God said, Richie, if you go out that door, you'll die. But if you give your heart to me right now, you let me step in. I'll I'll change your life and I want to use you uh, to help others who are hurting. And so uh, that day I made the decision to give my heart to God. And uh, it's been a blessing ever since. I got out of there, began recovery and got many, got years of recovery under my belt and uh, finished up my undergrad in, in communications at a state university and was going to go into sales and marketing, but I was given the call uh, from Gulf States to be a minister. And uh, the moment they asked me to be a minister, I knew that it was just a supernatural act from God. I knew he was calling me into ministry. And so I accepted that call and I made that decision to, to go into full-time pastoral ministry. I pastored in Montgomery, Alabama, first uh, three and a half years of my ministry, and uh, just a little over two years ago, accepted a call to pastor uh, the College Drive Church in Jackson, Mississippi, where I am now. And it's just been such a blessing. Had the privilege of seeing uh, many decisions for Christ. 
help people who struggled as I did with various things. We all have our things that we struggle with. You know, mine happened to be uh, drugs and alcohol, but for others, it's other things. And so uh, the, the tools I learned in there and in recovery have been just such a blessing helping others with. Um, since then, I have uh, been working on my, my master's through the MAP Men uh, program, the in-ministry program, uh, and it's just been a, just been a blessing. It's, it's been enhancing my ministry, and it's just been perfect because seminary was not practical for, uh, uh, for me, uh, being, uh, having four children at home and having a great church and, and things like that. So I uh, have been involved with that, have about a year and a half left, and it's just been awesome. And so I, I just thank God every day for... Uh, for what he's done in my life, for what he's what he's doing in my life, and for what I am confident he'll continue to do in my life as long as I submit to him. Since we last talked with Richie, he's become senior pastor at Bowman Hills in Cleveland, Tennessee. He reflected on the last interview we had. Last interview when we did it at the called conference, you know, that was really one of the first times kind of on a kind of just a real out there broad scale that I had shared my story recently. It's been about two years now. My book was published, um, The Darkness Will Not Overcome. And so I, I shared a lot of what I shared in that first interview, put it down in a book and uh, Pacific Press printed, uh, published that and and that also has opened up a lot of opportunities. So still pastoral ministry and is very much a passion, but now I see how God is opening up this whole other area of ministry where I'm getting called into. Along with the book, The Darkness Will Not Overcome, Richie has filmed a 10-part series entitled Unchained. Check out our show notes for Richie Halverson's recommended resources for pastors, family, friends, and anyone affected by addictions. Act two, Harold Altamirano. Let's pick up Harold's story of recovery, healing, and called that he shared at the 2015 called convention. So I was recently baptized after struggling with alcohol abuse for about 10 years. Uh, been married for five years and I was struggling in my marriage. Ended up in jail. And during that process, God called me into the church. One day, you know, after, you know, being in church probably, what, about a year, uh, this one lady waited for me outside. And it was really weird. Uh, and I remember uh, going out, of, you know, just saying goodbye to the pastor and whatnot. And this lady, out of nowhere, just came at me. She grabbed me and she helped me. And she, she told me, you are running from God like Moses. Uh, and she told me specifically, you need to be a pastor. Uh, and I was like, in my mind, you know, I was a new convert, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm like, this lady is crazy, you know. So uh, after that, I was like, you know, I don't know, you know, what to think about about that. <laughs> but it was like in, in the back of my mind. And I remember driving home with my wife probably a couple of weeks after that. And um, I told her, hey, listen, uh, something really weird happened to me and it hasn't left my mind. So I want to talk to you about it. And I told her, look, I, I think I think that I might want to uh, 
be a pastor. And she's like, uh, <laughs> you know, she, <laughs> she kind of laughed at me and she's like, what? So anyways, uh, so we started talking about it on and off, but, but it was like, um, you know, it seemed like an impossibility. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I had a career in my mind already, working hard towards that. I was, um, I had a business and things were going good in my business. Uh, we had a, a house. So, so we were at that, you know, uh, in that place in our lives. And, and I, I was like, I don't think uh, God can use a broken person like me. So that was my conversation throughout this. So after that, I called my brother and I told him, hey, I think I want, it. I want to be a pastor. And he ignored me. I remember I felt really bad. I, I thought that uh, I was too broken, uh, that I didn't fit the cut to be a pastor. And I called him again sometime later, uh, some weeks later, and I said, hey, I think God is calling me to be a pastor. And he says, well, thank you for telling me again. I've been waiting for you to see if you were going to tell me again. Uh, and he said, I ignore you the first time on purpose, and I have been praying for you. And uh, after that, he gave me some counsel because I didn't know what to do. And he told me the first thing we're going to start doing is to have a season of prayer. Uh, so we started a, a, a season of prayer, asking God for specific um, signs. And uh, one specific sign that it was a big deal for my brother was that he really wanted to see fruits come from my ministry in church. And, and he said, uh, uh, if God is calling you, he will give you the gifts that you need in order to reach people that are far from him. And so that stayed in my mind. I was really shy about it. I've never done that before. Uh, again, I was really new in church. And um, out of that, um, uh, some weeks later, there was um, uh, this plan in my church to start small groups. And I remember asking about uh, what, what is a small group? So somebody explained to me, and obviously a pastor explained. And I said, well, I want to open a couple of small groups. And uh, I had some people that met through my business. And um, in less than a month, I had two small groups with uh, two families that were not Christians. And I started going. I barely knew a lot of information uh, about the Bible, but I knew enough at that point that I was able to lead Bible studies with those two families. And uh, out of each group, the two families got baptized about, I don't know, some months later. After that, I did what I had to do. I, I, I called different people, but I specifically sat down with my youth pastor and I told him, I really believe that God wants me to be a pastor. And he, I, I asked him, what is the next step? What do I do? And he connected me with uh, Southern Adventist University. And uh, some months later, uh, I left everything, sold the business, sold the house. Um, I left my wife for one month and uh, I started uh, my new journey as a theology student. You know, one time I read uh, Romans 15, 20, where Paul says that he had been called to preach the name of Christ where he was not known. And that has become my life text. I'm very excited to preach to people that are not in church. And that specifically, that is my cause. Thank you, Harold, for sharing your story. And let's catch up. Harold has been pastoring for many years now, but just recently 
he's transitioned to a specialized ministry. I talked to him about this change. And as you said, yeah, I've uh, continued to grow in that calling. And recently, my, my life took uh, uh, a turn that I was not expecting. It happened actually three weeks ago. All of a sudden, it wasn't planned. Yeah, here I am, packing, about to sell my house, uh, living the comfort of a life that we have built here in South Florida to pursue something new. It's amazing how God has blessed your ministry with a very creative uh, evangelistic church, trying things that have never been done before and, and having uh, successes and failures, but, but always uh, you know, opening up the, uh, the doors for, for God to work you know, for unchurched people. Tell me specifically how your calling has changed and uh, what, what is your specialization now? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. There's ups and downs in pastoral ministry. Pastoral ministry involves more than evangelism. It involves uh, administration, politics. Uh, but the more that I look at myself, I find that I am, uh, I am at my best when I am with hurting people. I always want to point them to God. I want them to find healing like I did. And this, is, I guess, uh, this journey has led me to chaplaincy, uh, which is very interesting because in chaplaincy, you're not necessarily doing evangelism the way we're used to. We're called to be there for people that are in pain. However, in uh, my journey exploring chaplaincy, I have found myself answering questions uh, being challenged, uh, talking to people who are so open that would never step into my church. Uh, and you're right there next to people. And sometimes in those painful circumstances, people ask the, the ultimate questions of life. You know, that's what comes to their heads. And, you know, so many times I've been asked about God and given permission to share. Uh, and that's just been an amazing journey for me. Thanks, Harold, for your transparency and your story of your transition into specialized ministry of chaplaincy. Go to our show notes for more information about Harold's ministry and about Avenus chaplaincy. Act three, David Franklin. While David Franklin's prayers for excelling in a Fortune 500 company were being answered, God had a bigger dream. Watch God work in this amazing story. I never wanted to be a pastor. And maybe that's the story for a lot of folks, but for me, it's absolutely true. Uh, my plans were to go to a Fortune 500 company, be a marketing executive, make some money, have some power, and uh, enjoy life. Um, always had a experience of being in church. I always, I grew up in church. Um, enjoyed church, participated in church, um, but I never really had a relationship with Jesus until late in high school. It was around, I was like 17 years old, and something began to change where I began to realize I need to actually in, encounter God and abide with Him, maybe in a way that I haven't before. And so um, it all started with getting a D 
in an AP physics course. I don't know how many people have been called to the ministry as a result of a failed experience, but that is the case for me, that um, when I was in high school, I was accepted to college, and they told me in my second semester, don't get a a grade less than a C or a D, because um, if you do, we will have to revoke your acceptance. And unfortunately, senioritis got the best of me. And in my second semester, I got a D. And of course, I didn't even need to take. I got a D. And so I got a call from the recruitment director. And she explained to me, we're sorry, we can know we can't accept you uh, into the program. But what we can offer you is if you go to community college for a year, you work on your prerequisites, then you next year come back to us and we'll be happy to accept you in. So I said, I'll. I'll go to community college, but I was devastated on the inside. I had done well in school my entire life, had a great GPA, president of my class, et cetera. Um, And so I was devastated on the inside. But I went to the community college and God began to work on my life. It was really in that year that I began to understand how to discern God's voice and what he was, how to, how he spoke to me. And it was in that year that I decided I wasn't going to go to that, that college, but I was going to go to Oakwood. And Oakwood was a transformational experience for me. Oakwood College then, now Oakwood University. Um, it was on those grounds that I really deepened my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was also on those grounds that I began to discover how God could lead, lead me even when I was resistant to him. Um, when I got to Oakwood, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I want to get an internship during the two summers that I, the two or three summers that I'm here. Um, and then I want to receive a job with a, that company or a similar company. I want to make $40,000 and I want to be on my way to doubling that salary in a year. And so the Lord gave me a internship at Coca-Cola. That was a two summer internship would have gotten me through my, my time there. And, uh, Uh, So they were giving me $10,000 in scholarship, $5,000 in my pocket, and I was excited. This is what I had asked for. Um, But the Lord told me, I don't want you to, I don't want you to go back. After the first summer, he said, I don't want you to go back. I went back the second summer anyway. And after the second summer, I came back to Oakwood. I was sitting on a friend's couch and I literally felt like the spirit of the Lord had left me. It was gone. I never felt that before, and praise God, I've never felt that since, but I literally felt like God's spirit had departed from me. And so I said in that moment, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Well, anybody who's prayed that prayer knows that that's a dangerous prayer to pray. And it was from that point that God led me into pastoral ministry. I'd love to say that it was that night I accepted the call of pastoral ministry, but unfortunately that was not the case. I still was hunting for a way to do what God wanted me to do and do what I wanted to do. So there was a job opportunity that came my way in my in my uh, my second to last semester of my senior year. I said, okay, God, I'm not going back to Coca-Cola, but J.P. Morgan Chase is offering me an opportunity. You need Christian people in the financial community. Of course, that makes sense. So I went to the job interview and I was sitting in the interview. And I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me again, saying, I'm going to give you the job, but I don't want you to take it. A few weeks later, I get a call from J.P. Morgan Chase. Mr. Franklin, we'd like to offer you a position. We want to offer you $40,000 with a $6,000 signing bonus. 
and we want to put you in the leadership development program so that in a year's time, you'll double that salary and be on your way to executive leadership. I was blown off my seat, to say the least, that God would orchestrate this in the exact way that I'd asked for. But I think what God was trying to share with me is that you can, I can do whatever, I can, I, I can do whatever you want. But I'm more interested in, in, in performing and perfecting my will in your life. So I turned down the job and I, I, I spent my, and the next year and, and a little bit um, doing mission work, going overseas, going all across the United States, preaching and teaching, uh, you know, with every, that, everything that I had at that moment, you know, and still not accepting the call to the pastorate. But on one faithful night, as it were, <laughs> in under the African sky in Zambia, I was preaching and I felt like I had done the terrible job, the worst job I had ever done in my life. I'd preached other places, but this was my worst sermon, in my opinion. And I felt like giving up. But then I heard God say, I've got you exactly where I want you. And so that night I surrendered to God. I said, God, if you can use me like this, then I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so that was the night that I said yes to God and responded to his call. That mystical calling continues. And David has been the lead pastor at Miracle City Church in Baltimore for many years. I recently caught up with David for an update on how God is currently calling him. Here's the conversation. Last I talked to you, you were pastor of Miracle Temple, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now it's Miracle City. What's changed? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> we we just had this heart that our, our goal was uh, not for miracles to only happen in the temple, in, in a building, but wanted to see miracles happening all over our city. And so uh, we thought it'd be, you know, apropos to have a name that reflects the, uh, the, the mission and the heart of the congregation. So, so we changed it. It's no longer temple. It's now city. And we're trying to make miracles happen all over the city of Baltimore and beyond. As a pastor, I always intended that wherever I was, um, we would not only have a great church, but also have a great impact in the community. So that hasn't changed. That has only continued to get deeper, um, you know, and go from nice kind of uh, what I would call felt need ministry to actually looking at how we can address the systemic issues that underlie some of the deficiencies in underserved communities. And so that's where my focus really has been is how do we address uh, income inequality? How do we address uh, educational disparities? How do we address housing um, uh, deficiencies? So how do we address those things as a church uh, while also uh, maintaining um, a strong call to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for me, the two are are closely linked. If we're going to proclaim a gospel that is in line with uh, what Jesus's ministry looked like, then we must also um, be engaged in addressing some of the injustices um, and systemic uh, issues that are present in our communities. Thanks, David, Harold and Richie for sharing your call to ministry with our podcast. To watch the full interviews, go to our show notes on nadministerial.com slash podcasts. 
I hope this episode has been as insightful and inspiring for you as it was for me. I hope these stories will help you reflect on how God may be calling you. Thanks for joining us for NAD Ministerial's Best Practices Avenus Ministry Podcast. We're available on all your favorite platforms, so please like, share, and subscribe so you'll be notified when new episodes are posted. We're here to help you grow, keep going, but most of all, keep growing for God's glory. Adventist Ministry. Adventist Ministry Podcast is a production of NAD Ministerial. Executive Producer, Ivan Williams. Designed by Halloran Hilton Hill for NAD from Anything is Possible. Written and produced by Dave Gimmel. Edited by Taizy Snyder. NAD Ministerial.